0: Let's open our Bibles quickly to the book of Nahum. Yes, Nahum chapter 1 is where we are going to take our declaration today. Some of you don't know it's in the Bible. I know I can see it in your faces. It's one of the prophets, one of the so-called minor prophets, even though it's not um, necessarily a minor one. Nahum chapter 1, We want to read a number of verses there to declare the glory of God this evening. As is usual, we read it loud, we're not try- it's not a meditation, it's a proclamation. Do you understand? We are declaring loud. We are being deliberate about it, okay? We are going to read from verse two and we'll read all the way to verse ten. All right? Are you there? Yes, Alright, let's read it together joyfully. One to? let let's go. The jealous and avenging God is the Lord. The Lord is avenging and wrathful. The Lord takes vengeance on his adversaries. And he reverses wrath for his enemies. The Lord is slow to anger and great in power. And the Lord will by no means leave the guilty unpunished. In wild wind and storm is his way. And clouds are the dust beneath his feet. He rebukes the sea and makes it dry. He dries up the rivers. Bashan and camel wither. The blossoms of Lebanon wither. Mountains quake because of him. And the hills dissolve. Indeed, the earth is upheaved by his presence, the world and all the inhabitants in it. Who can stand before his indignation? Who can endure the burning of his anger? His wrath is poured out like fire and the rocks are broken up by him. The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knows those who take refuge in him. But with an overwhelmed flood, he will make a complete end of his sight and will pursue his enemies into darkness. Whatever you devise against the Lord, he will make a complete end of it. Distress will not rise up twice. Amen. Amen. What's happening in verse 9? Amen. Amen. Now, when we I read this, I said, no, we should declare this glory of the Lord against wickedness in this land. Amen. Yeah, that's what it is. The Lord will avenge iniquity. Amen. Say amen if you believe that. Amen. He will uproot evil from this land. Amen. The Bible says he's slow to anger. Alright, but he's great in power. You know, I feel sorry for people who persist in doing iniquity. The Lord will arise and judge them. Amen. That's a matter of fact. The Lord will arise and he will judge them. Amen. It don't sound like you want him to happen. Amen. Okay, should we pray that iniquity will prosper? No. So the Lord will arise and judge iniquity. Amen. The Lord will arise and uproot iniquity. Amen. Out of this land, he will uproot iniquity. Amen. The Lord will arise and no one will be able to stand the day of his indignation. Amen. The only way to protect yourself is one word, repent. Yes. What's the word? Repent. What's the word? Repentance. So, of course, you know, uh, the head of state pardoned two big politicians who are in prison. You know, so people are very angry. Palana said, they pardon every thief in prison. Somebody quoted one young man in Abuja Abu who's in jail for stealing 1,000 naira, And the magistrate sent him to jail for six months. So all that kind of gist. So I told one of my friends, I said, he said, we should scrap EFCC. I said, no, we can't scrap EFCC. He said, why? I said, they have to be catching the small, small thieves for us. He said, what about the big thieves? I said, the day of their judgment will come. Amen. Yes. That's why I'm talking the story. Don't worry yourself about anything. i not, somebody said, what do you have to say about the pardon? I said, I was not there when they were discussing it. Why it was done, I have no idea. However, if you are getting the impression that big, iniquitous individuals will continue to get away, you are making a terrible mistake. It would have been good if God wanted to punish somebody. It would have been good that man punished you first. Then God will calm down. But when he handles you by himself, nobody can battle against the Lord. As a matter of fact, listen, don't let your heart be troubled. In this nation, God will judge iniquity. Amen. Let me tell you why he hasn't done it. He's waiting for the people, his own people to repent. Too many pastors are sharing this money. That's true. Too many of us are criminals. He said, if I arise, I will carry all of you. All of you. So he's waiting. The critical point will come when enough of his saints have washed their hands. Because they're good. Now let's move. I say it again. He will arise. The Bible says that he has reserved wrath for his enemies. Yes. Say, jealous and avenging God is the Lord. The Lord is avenging and wrathful. The Lord takes vengeance on his adversaries and he reserves wrath for his enemies. When you see the word reserve, it means that right now you may not see it happening. It's called what? Reserve. Then one day he will pour it. And then you will feel sorry for those who disobey the Lord. That's a matter of fact. The Lord is good. All right. Before we take our seats, let's take our declaration of what God will do for us today. If you believe that, give me an amen. Amen. Want to? Let's do it then. Now I declare. That the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, and I'm being filled with the knowledge of His will, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I'm pleasing Him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work, and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 All right, the Lord is good. Let's take our seats. Let's start from uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3. Okay, just please keep this part of 1 Timothy chapter 3 open. But first of all, please go to the book of Colossians chapter 1 that's one portion we read a number of times when we're declaring the glory of God Colossians chapter 1 you know what I want to do today because I meditated about it and I think the Lord says that's good and I want to talk about the Lord Jesus Christ in view of what we're discussing this season you know it's um, the season in which we celebrate and remember the death and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and I just felt it to be good that, let's just talk about that briefly, so while meditating on how exactly we'll go about it, I decided um, that what the Holy Spirit wants us to know is what I have titled the Mystery of Godliness, which is the reason why we are reading from First Timothy chapter three. But before we read First Timothy chapter three, I would like to read from Colossians chapter one it's a portion we read a lot here just to describe the Lord Jesus Christ. It said from verse fifteen. Of course, if you back up into 13 and 14, talking about his beloved son, he said his beloved son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things. And in him all things hold together. He is also head of the body, the church. And he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him, and through him to reconcile all things to himself. Having made peace through the blood of his cross, through him I say, what are things on earth, of things in heaven. 1st Timothy chapter 3 in verse um, 16. He said, "By common confession great is the mystery of godliness. He was revealed in the flesh, was vindicated in the spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up in glory." He was talking about the Lord Jesus Christ here. He said Christ was revealed in a human body. Now, we're going to talk about Jesus here. Well, last meeting, I began to talk about worship. You remember that we're talking about worship. We're talking about worship. And why am I talking about worship? I explained to us that we're talking about going removing other gods. And I said, nature does not allow us to have a vacuum. That what actually prevents other gods from being worshipped by us is for us to be busy with true worship. That's the truth. We can say many things about don't worship other gods, but everybody must worship. Everybody must worship. Everybody must worship. We're created to worship. It is not possible not to worship. Let's talk about faith again as an example. You can't live without faith. Even those who say they don't, you know, they don't have, they think that faith is um is like for those who don't understand science they are walking by faith if you read our book the book should be out by now um, it's ready it's completely ready just to release it we wanted to print it first but the printing thing has been delayed so we say we'll just release a pdf then i forgot all right but now i'm being reminded by talking about it the book is titled we walk by faith so please watch out for it hopefully for the end of this month it should be out at least by a pdf of course as you know as usual it to be free to download in the book, I talked about faith. The book is titled, We Walk by Faith. And what I try to establish is that everybody walks by faith. There's nothing faith is. That's why the Bible never really described what faith is. It said faith is the substance of things hoped for and the, uh, the conviction of things not seen. That's what faith does. That's not what faith is. That's what faith does. That is what it does. Faith helps you to understand things that you did not see. But what exactly is faith was never described in the Bible simply because it's so common. It's common knowledge. It's like breathing. The Bible did not say, and he he inhaled, and he exhaled. It's not that kind of thing. And so this is what they call breathing. It just talks about breathing. Everybody should know what breathing is. Faith is the way by which we walk. So everybody walks by faith. number of things our lives are about, one, worship, two, faith. All right, just two of them. What do I mean by everybody has faith? It's simple. How many people have taken any form of public transportation? Whether it's a train, or it's a boat, you know, ferry, or it's a car, a boss, keke, or kada. <laughs> okay, for those who don't know, you know we have audience from India as an example. So a tricycles, or it could be a motorcycle, or an aeroplane. Any form of commercial transportation. If you have ever used one, can you just put up your hand? Seriously. Okay, it looks like everybody. Please put down your hand. Thank you very much. All right? Everybody. Now, that hand, or just to be sure you are cooperating with me, I know everybody has done it. Now, have you ever gone to PeaceMas? Oh uh, now have you ever asked them where's the driver's driver's license? Have you ever checked whether the guy knows how to drive? If you ever entered the bus without asking questions, you walked by faith. You did. Those who say that they only believe what they have seen, did you check the driver's driver's license? Many times you have been driven by crazy people. <laughs> so who are not alright? <laughs> And that's a matter of fact. You enter a plane. <laughs> he said pilots are crazy. This man, said, this man is an aviation human being. He tells that pilots they're mad. <laughs> and you, you don't know. Some, <laughs> there's one movie I saw. a Washington. The guy is drunk all the time. He's drunk all And there was a pilot. He's flying. He's drinking. It was a very, very good pilot in that movie. Very good. But it's drunk all the time. <laughs> and you don't know. Now, the point I'm making is that you don't check these things. You're walking by faith. Have you ever gone to the mall? If you ever gone to the mall or market anywhere to buy anything, put, don't put it on there. Just say amen. amen. Let me not give you work. So, So you've gone to the market. You bought things. How did you know what to buy? You, okay, have you ever picked a bottle, checked the label, and decided it was good? That's faith. You use the report on the bottle to pay money. They told you best before. And you told them, it's expired. Somebody wrote it there. For you to carry on with that information, without personally verifying, is called faith. So you see, we're talking about faith as such a big thing. The truth is that that's how we live. Life without it is impossible. It's absolutely impossible. You cannot live life except you have faith. You can't. What does faith mean? You just take the word of somebody. You walk to the market, you want to buy clothing, you know, clothing material. So what is it It tells you it's linen. You don't check where is the linen certification. Even if, you, if they gave you a linen certification, it's still somebody that wrote it. But you accept. So when Jesus said, blessed is he that believes without sin, it, it goes beyond just a matter of faith in him. In life, you, the only way you can live is to believe even though you do not see. What is Christian faith or spiritual faith? Let me first put it like that: is that you start taking the word of God as information. So those who make it look like, if you don't know what they are saying, they, are, they don't know what they are saying. They believe. So I just chose to believe scriptures. That's what we now call faith. We're not about faith, really. That's what we are referring to. That I take, somebody goes to the market, to the mall, takes a bottle of a food product, And read the label to decide whether he will buy or not. I also take scriptures to read the label about my life to decide how I will live my life. That is what we call faith in God. I hope you are getting my point. Everybody has one kind of faith. But faith in God is when the word of God is now authentic information for you. For example, the only reason why I know a man shouldn't marry a man. It's not because psychologists have told me not, that it's not right. Even though they said it before, then they change their mind. Politically, it's pure politics. How do I know the word of God is what tells me that? Two things. One, for this cause shall a man leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife. And in that context, it's a male and female created he them. So a male is joined to who? A female. Then secondly, it said for a man to lust sexually after another man, is an abomination. So those two scriptures I put together, and I say whatever you say, as a psychologist, as a researcher, has to be wrong. Why? My own source of information says differently. It's, that's what faith is. Jesus said, have faith in God. When he said that, what was he saying? Your faith has been in other things. So remove it from where it was, and place it in God. I hope you're getting the point. That's how worship is also. So I just just want to explain to us briefly that you have no choice but to walk by faith. It's where your faith will be that we're now discussing as Christians. Where will your faith be? In the same manner, worship is something everybody does. You can't live without worship. Absolutely impossible. Absolutely impossible. You must worship something. You know, I quote this man... um, Apple, Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs said something. He said, no one can... He was talking about predicting outcome of you know, investment, your life, your, uh, you know, uh, your adventures. He said, no one can you know, connect the dots looking forward. He said, it's only when you have reached somewhere, you look backwards, you connect the dots. There is no way to predict what will come out in life. We keep on trying. He said, that's why... If anybody tells you he wrote a book or he knows how to do it, he's lying. he should have written that book first of all. Don't write it after. In which case, you have forgotten the other things that are not palatable. Many times, even the points in which God helped you, you forget because you don't know the significance of those points. Richest man in America at the time, John D. Rockefeller, missed a train by i uh, forgotten how many minutes. He was going to ride on that train. They went over a bridge. The bridge collapsed and killed everybody inside, almost. And John D. Rockefeller missed it narrowly. So what is he? Say? And he lived very long. He, I think he lived to be. To, he died in his nineties. So he wanted to ask what is secret to long life. He said, "Watch your food." He said, "How do you watch your train? How do you watch your train?" So Steve Jobs said, "Listen, you can't connect these dots looking forward. You don't know what will lead to what." He said, you can only connect, connect it looking backwards. When you have reached a particular point, you now look over and say your shoulder. Okay, this is how it, we got here. He said, okay, so when you are starting, what do you do? He said, you have to believe in something. That's why I'm talking about worship. In that case, he was talking about not faith now, but worship. He said, you have to believe in something. He said, call it any name you like, but there must be something you believe in. <laughs> And so if you are thinking, the man, he thought he had control of life. He never thought so. And many of them, both him and uh, Stephen Hawking, I think it was Stephen Hawking that said that nothing focuses the mind like a death sentence. When they first diagnosed Steve Jobs as having cancer, that he was going to die, he had to focus. They gave him the treatment necessary at the point that they told the cancer was gone. He now began to give speeches. He began to appreciate life. But after a while, I don't know what went wrong or went right, the cancer woke up again and killed him. At that point in time, Apple had over $100 billion in cash in banks. Not in property or investment or value of their stock. Cash that was in the banks that he had refused to pay as dividends. Over $100 billion. But nothing could keep him alive. See, we're talking about worship that everybody worships. You know, let's just remember that. Don't, even those who are pretending they are worshiping something. And at the end of the day, everything you are worship is a spirit. At the end of the day, spirits collect your worship. One of the reasons why God keeps shouting, Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. The reason is this. If you don't do it, something else will collect it. You don't have, you are not that strong. Something will collect it. You may start not knowing. But by the time life finishes dealing with you, you will wake up to reality. You know, I told you a story last time about a guy who I know, who told, about, told me about his father being cooked. Is said, one day, he approached his father. and like, Daddy, what's all of this? And his father told him, look, my, my son, this is the reality I have come to realize. Because as we were growing up, the father was a typical, don't care about the spiritual things, even though claimed to be a Catholic. So he was just a dutiful Catholic, go to church, you know, say the mass, go for confession when you feel like you need to take Holy Communion the next day. Just a normal Catholic. Until life began to happen. Until one day, he told me a number of stories. Things began to happen to the man. I think it was one day the man woke up and he had been beaten by people he could not see, and they could see the marks on his body. The marks were visible for them to see. And then one the armed men surrounded their house, decided that they were going to kill the man. And his, his father was a, let me use the word, was a warlord. The guy told him that, listen, he grew up with grenades under their bed. He played with grenades as a child. Then one day, men surrounded their house. And this guy shot for, I don't know how long, kept on shooting, broke their door down. At a point in time, his father jumped, managed. He knew this, some of the skills of war. He had fired, they had done everything. Good enough, they didn't touch his family. They made it clear they wanted only him. Make a long story short, sure, the man survived the night. Over the next few weeks, you know what he was doing? Cooking. Cooking himself. He said, listen, after his father went through those experiences, the man realized that it wasn't safe to be without defense. So people now came to him. Let's fortify you, the man went. Let's fort-. The man began to do everything necessary. As a family I know, close to us, the children complained that the problem they have with their father is that the man is diabolical, like we say. He's into occult things and all of that. So one day my mother sat the man down. and said, I need to talk to you. This is a complaint from your children. The man didn't deny it. He said, Yes, this is true. He said, But why is the issue? He says, for their sake. I'm doing all of these things to protect them. He said, I know the family I'm from. I know the issues going on. He said, I need to do this to keep my children. You know, I told you last time that if I didn't know Christ, (laughs) what I know about life now, (laughs) I will swallow something too. Why we are not swallowing is that we have swallowed something else. We have swallowed Christ Jesus, and we have been swallowed by him. That's why. This life is not a physical life. Stop fooling yourself. It's not a physical life. You are not kept alive because of DNA and RNA and proteins. And because you ate uh, fat and oil. And you have the correct amount of amino acids and stuff. That's not what keeps you alive. Life is spiritual. There are three components of you. Spirit, soul, and body. If the spirit doesn't work, the whole person becomes an animal and the person dies uselessly. The soul is where the main meat of the human being is. You have to be kept alive. And without the body, you cannot connect with this existence. So each one must be kept in shape. The world worships the body. You can have a healthy body and die for nothing. You go there, the fellow is dead, what killed him, you don't know. Doctors will check up and down, they will start describing all kinds of syndromes. I know these things. Some of those syndromes, I laugh when I hear them. I say, it's called the other name is, we don't know. we have to give it one fantastic name. And as the last time I checked, unless they've modified it, I don't know is recognized as a cause of death. A pathologist is allowed to write it. There's a way we word it. We won't write, I don't know. But there's a way we word it, which simply says, This guy is alive, but he's dead. That is why I've checked everything. He should be walking around breathing, but he's dead. That spirit doesn't thrive except he has worship. It's meant to worship. It's a connection with the spiritual. Let's bear that in mind. So nobody should make you look inferior because you go to church. He's going somewhere else. He's going somewhere. Some of them worship at the bar. Do you know that? I don't know how many nightclubs you have been to or how many bars. Once you enter them, they have the same feel, the same look. One day I went to a church in Lagos that I met in a nightclub. Yes, the church meets during the day. it building as a club. Look at this guy. I didn't say they are a nightclub. I said they met in a nightclub. Honestly, I won't run church in that place. I don't know how the Holy Spirit will stay there. The ambience is generated for negative spiritual activity. Now let me tell you how it is. We went that day to go and listen to a particular man of God came from outside the country. My friend invited us. I don't know whether my wife went to that day. No, no, no. I don't think so. So I know I didn't go in, but three or four of us went together. Now what I'm telling you is that we climbed up the stairs to the top of the building somewhere on I think I didn't know in Lagos, if I remember well. So we climbed up there and entered the place. Now, this is the interesting part, which is I'm telling the story. All through the service, I thought we were underground. Yes. All through the service, I don't know why the impression I had was that the building was subterranean. It was when we came out and said, Oh, we're actually. Now, that's how I tell you what I told that. A number of us came together, so it wasn't only really me. We walked, climbed, climbed, climbed at least two floors, just like we are here. We got to the top of a building, I entered, and I thought I was underground. It was structured to look like devil's den. I remember all the colors were too. Dark red and black. We came for church service during the day on Sunday morning. And I thought I was underground. It's a nightclub. we we'll now come here at night. Listen, you didn't come to drink. You came to worship. The ambience was designed for worship. Spirits hang around the place. You can't tell me I don't drink and you go there. No, stop misbehaving. You can't be going to see. There's something about worship, you must understand. The environment matters. A number of things matter. Three things quickly. Apart from the spiritual, I'm talking about the physical now. Three things matter the environment, who you are with, and what you eat. Those three things. Those three things matter in worship. The environment. You can't go to a cave where everything is constructed to look dark and gloomy. No. God won't accept that. That truth I would look and say, eh, so this is what people do with their lives. That's why nightclubs, how many do you ever see? Whether in film or in real life, or where the lights are bright. The lights must be dull. It's an ambience of evil. It's an ambience of immorality. It is, those are the places evil spirits pass through to enter into the earth. There was one near our way home. Young people used to flock. All they do there, we don't know. So my wife took up their matter in prayer. Every day, we would drive past, go swear for them. She would drive past, go drop one word or swear. You know what they call swear? In Nigerian English. <laughs> and you go and say, we'll she would place a curse on them. Then one day, we drove past. We saw it was under lock. and Right now, it's still growing grass till now. After more than four years. It's still, eh? Yes. It's been growing grass. God just brought the attention of the governor there. He just ordered the place locked down. My wife drove by and said, "Ha, ah, God of miracle. Now my papa. Because the young people flock around there. They are, they are just there. What are they looking for? They are there to drink of evil spirits. We are children of light. Anytime we gather, it's light. We, light. we keep putting light everywhere. If we get there, like many times we go for do conferences. You understand? The, the conference rooms, they don't they all bring our own lights, put it there. Because we are children of light. Anything you have to put in darkness is suspicious. Sometimes people say that eh, this thing, there's nothing wrong with it, do it in public. Come and testify on the platform. Praise the Lord though. How, how God, how made my need was that we just doubled the amount. We just lied about it. We didn't give, they gave us a fake receipt. Can you testify? No. Then it is wrong. Those places are, you know, the, the ambience is created for evil activity. Evil spirits need it. You must understand. Before spiritual things connect with the physical, ambience has to be right. It has to be right. It has to be right. You know, people like Catherine Kuhlman those days, when they are going to minister, her, Catherine Kuhlman would even, he, she handpicks those who sit in front. You don't go to a meeting and just go to the front, seat, they will bounce you to the back. You enter the place, maybe, let me confess, you go and sit in front, you've just, you just lost out. If you know her meetings well, you respect yourself, see the first few rows, keep away, because they will bounce you. It's her instruction. And I'm a preacher. <laughs> I know it, look, I know it's too. I will soon start doing it. Some people come in, they look like, bless me if you can. Try your best. Let's see whether you know how to preach. Anointing killers. At Country command, no. She selects, hand picks the people that are sitting in front. I've seen criticism of those things as if they are stage managing. It's not stage managing. I know what the man, woman is doing. She is creating an ambience. The Bible tells you quench not the spirit. The spirit can be quenched. There are different ways you quench the spirit. That's the one I'm preaching, I'm very, I don't want to be walking up and down. You distract me. You make it difficult for me to pass the word of God across to people. You cannot settled and you're not concentrated. As a matter of fact, you know, there are people, I'm not kidding, you are preaching, they walk into the hall, your anointing increases. You, you don't even have to be aware. There's a kind of spirit they bring in. With their hearts open, ready to drink, that like, they just said, God, essentially, look, 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 this man is not firing fast enough. This one I know to be a matter of fact. The kind of things you teach depends on the audience you have out there. It depends on the audience. You see me sit here, I, I will talk two straight hours, I have not finished yet. I usually can do that with the kind of audience. If I organize a meeting, when I go there to teach, like here now, or whatever, the people who come, they came to listen to me. You understand my point? They are, their spirits are tuned already. So when they are there, they, I can keep talking. I can keep talking. I can keep talking. Next three hours, their hearts are open. You keep talking. But their churches have been to the preach. If you like, give you three hours. After 45 minutes, your anointing don't go down. The anointing is finished. Ah. And it's one of the reasons why I, it's not every invitation I accept. I'm very careful. Once you're planning a program, and you're planning your program, you now invite me. The chances of me coming is less than thirty percent. I pray you can decode that. As so well, I know that your program is the most important thing to you, and I'm I'm just a spice. Once I suspect that one day, one some guys organize a program somewhere in Enugu, not a good city, not main city. One of these are big towns around. I won't tell you which one. So they invited me. They talked to Reverend Inka, Story. So they now made a mistake, Great mistake. They wanted to persuade me to come. So they didn't know the kind of person that I, that I am. They assumed that, let's show him that it's an important program. So they now said to me, Philadelphia will be coming. They mentioned another person. Then I saw a line up of big bishops and all of that in the poster. So they wanted me to know that, that look, you're part of one great thing that we are doing. Everyone encourages saying that the pastor don't get time. Ah, like, no, that is like, people have done that to me a number of times. They don't realize that those things for me, they are put-offs. Someone invited me for something once, gave me a lot of, and one of them mentioned two, three massive names that would be there. The fellow didn't realize that that's the very reason why I'm not interested. Not because I don't want to compete. It's not, we're not competing. But it just occurred, dawned on me that you don't have time for me. You're going to give me 35 minutes and tell me to go and sit down. There's somebody more senior to you who wants to preach. I don't have a problem with that. Invite me to come and attend. I will go. There are times I've rushed out of, I'm preaching here. As I'm preaching, I'm looking at my time. But As I'm finishing preaching, I'm in my car. I'm rushing to go and hear somebody else. I don't have a problem with it. That day, so when the fellow finished... <laughs> Some reverend just said to, to, to the person, I don't know who just said, Look, Pastor will have time. Ah, it now became begging matter. He said, You don't understand. Look, the issue is about timing. Your program is this length of time. You have this number of ministers. It's, it's congested. Uh, no, they said, No, no, no. These pictures, uh, these people that we mentioned, they are just uh, statutorily, because of our denomination, we have to put their name. They are not coming. They are not coming. And they have that is coming. They began to read the whole thing. I said, Look at this. <laughs> Initially, they wanted to, like, it's a big thing, okay? We are bringing you in amongst the big people. I want to chill with the big boys, you know? <laughs> 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 Not, see, for me, I'm all, what I just want, I'm careful because there are places I go to also. They are, I didn't organize the program. King North didn't organize the program. But the crop of people, in fact, I've been to meetings before. I said, how much time do I have? They said, two and a half hours. Ah, excuse me. Say, yes, sir, you, you give you a microphone at 10, sir, you have till 12.30. You look at them like, what did you say? Sir, we came here to learn. If you want to keep us till three, sir, we are, the two and ever hours we gave you is you. If it is us, you can take five hours. <laughs> Such places, when they invite me next time, I usually go back. They can be young, they can be old. It's okay with me. There are places where you can hardly preach. So in church, I went to preach once. I hope it's not unforgiveness that's worrying me. I told myself, I'm not going back there again. But I have a number of them like that. I don't mark them in my mind. This place, when I was, I was still talking, the guy came and stood beside me that my time was up. So I looked, I said, excuse me. Just notify me of how much time I have left. Don't stand behind me. He said, no, that's how they do here. I didn't have time to send, to process If I did, I'll have given him the mic. Right there. I just say no problem. Can you hold this for me? He will mistakenly hold it. I'll pack my things. i go and sit down. i said, finish the message. Some people don't have manners. I was a guest minister. I'm not a member of your church. I don't care how you do things. You should have some level of decorum. You bent for me. For, of course, I just... is one Anglican church somewhere on the way to that sneaky lake side. I just marked them. Say this one. He said, Please, I hope I would not sound arrogant. I'm not begging for where to preach. One of the things that God did for me early in ministry, I created my own platform between me and the Holy Spirit. So whether you invite me or not, I have two place, two days of the week where I preach every week. Uh-uh. I will never do. Then we'll gather to record for radio. Then I have time to write. Ah bah. Then you invite me to come to your church. And I'm talking stuff behind me that your time is up. I just look at the church. No problem. Should you invite me tomorrow. When I refuse, and what is now worse for you is I won't tell you why. say, so my spirit is not going. You think it's the Holy Spirit. No, it's, my spirit is located that. You. You're not serious. <laughs> now, what, what, I'm just going to explain something. The ambience matters for the flow of the spirit. The ambience matters. You see, musicians, let me not mention names. Some of those are, uh, you think they are playing. They will play music. I heard those stories for people who know. They will play music, play, you know, instrumentals. And one day back, they smoke. His boys are there getting high, smoking. Everybody's in the hall. They are warming up the athletes. I'm telling everybody worships. Fella used to call his place shrine. You think it's a joke. You just go there. You go there to worship. He had the chief priest. And people kept on feeling like he was joking. The man was not joking. He called himself Abba Medah. You know what Abba means? Uh, okay. Abraham, that means strange creature. Unusual being. Abba is one word we use for spirits. Abba literally means strange, unusual, weird. A dice creature. So the man called himself Abba and we thought he was joking. And he was still on the, on the platform and be doing sacrifices. I've seen some videos shaking things around up and down the stage. And he comes in and says, now, time to start the underworld spiritual game. And everybody thinks they came for music. Everybody said to him after me, he gives them a chant. And they start chanting. And he says to them, it's an underworld spiritual game. And you still go back there. You go home. You become promiscuous. Your children become promiscuous. You don't know where it came from. You went to the shrine. You wouldn't know. And then I, I remember his chief priest saying that, you think they are smoking because they wanted to get high. He said, no, we need to offer incense to the gods. That that is our incense to the gods. And people will think they are joking. You participate in worship, you think people are joking. They were not joking. And then you see, now saying that Christianity was brought by the white man to colonize you. It's Satan trying to take you away. Can't you see our brethren here who say, who say that we need independence in our region? They said that uh, Christianity, that they are Jews. That's how you know when Satan is operating. He starts denying Christ Jesus. In fact, my message to you today is, the beginning of worship is acknowledging the Son. That's actually what I came here to preach. Which is why we read that Colossians chapter 1, and went to that um, first Timothy chapter 3. So let you know that without acknowledging the Son, you have not begun to worship. If listen to me, if you were ever in league or mentally associated with some a a group like IPOB for whatever political reason, the moment they brought up that spiritual side, you should have stepped out. You begin to move with Satan. You don't realise it. Once leaders start saying that he's a Jew and that um Kike, is it Abiyama? What do they call it? Abiyama. When they start inventing names for you, say, brethren, this handshake has crossed the elbow. You're supposed to shake me. You held the wrist. I didn't see anything. You crossed the forearm. I'm looking at you. Now you're crossing the elbow. Please. Before I know what's happening, you pull off my whole arm. Thank you. Yeah, seriously. You have to be careful in life. Many things, Look, listen. 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 When we talk about worship, you know, I said something materially speaking. Three things important. Ambience. That's what the Bible says that don't forsake the gathering together of the saints. Ambience is important. This online thing. Look, if you are in Enugu and you are following me online, you get a problem. I'm talking to you. You, in Enugu. Which camera are you? Are, are you is, that, that's the one that's right on. Uh-huh. You are in Enugu, You are too tired to walk up here. So I will join online. I will stream. Streaming is for those who have to stream. They are joining from Lagos. They are joining from Atlanta. They are joining from, you know, Melbourne, Australia. They are joining from different parts of the world. But you can't be around and you can't. It's not because of me, please. Just hanging around at the end of the day and please, when you come fellowship with us here, when you are leaving, it's all running away somebody's pursuing you. Greet two people. Greet two people. Ah, now? Long time. How are you doing? Just with somebody and walk, before you walk away. It's called fellowship. It's called fellowship. Some people come to church. That's why some of these fast food churches that people go. I feel so. You're not going to church? Con- conveyor belt church. All of you line up. Rrr, 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 bam, first service. And, rrr, 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 next service, bam, sh- ship you out. You load the next batch. <laughs> Please, brethren, find another, at least even if it's that church, find a home cell near your neighborhood and spend more hours there than your conveyor belt activity on Sunday. Ha! Let your wife even know who to call when you are misbehaving. Sometimes people send us emails asking me for counsel. I said, you're very funny. How am I supposed to counsel? I've never seen you before. I apologize. I know you've listened to me a lot, but I have, I have not listened to you. Because look, and it's not your fault. I mean, I, I mean, I also went to that experience. You listen to a particular minister. who has blessed you so much. It makes sense. You want to hear what he has to say about issues. There's only one problem. I don't know you. You have listened to me. I have not listened to you. You can't send me two lines of email and you expect me to counsel you. I'm going to counsel you, confuse you. If you should have friends around you. It's called fellowship. It's important. Don't let this online thing just replace the lines and then you are there, you are streaming. I'm preaching, you are brushing your teeth. <laughs> I'm preaching, on the toilet seat. I'm preaching, you are eating. And as, as I can say you are streaming. Brethren, it is not right. That is level two. If you don't have a choice, we can understand. But you cannot be in this city. You have time for every other thing. Say, ah, you went to market in the morning. Nine o'clock, you join them open waiting. You are at the gate of the mall before they open the gate. As soon as they open, you entered. You were there for two, three, four, five hours. After that, you came home, arranged everything, finished cooking. There are four o'clock. Ah, I am tired. I will stream. You, know, you see, there are things you do. God says, Shay, if I refuse to bless you, you will be angry with me. You had time to shop. You had time to cook. You are too tired to climb and come and fellowship with the brethren. Just because you stream, you feel happy. People always tell me stories. Ah, barrier. Barrier. Wedding. Market. I'll just be looking at you like this. How foolish can a human being be and still survive? People want to put the word of God in when they have nothing else to do, when they have rested well, when. Manchester United is not playing. God checks your attitude to his word. I hope you're getting my point. He checks your attitude to his word. He checks it. Too. He, che- he seriously checks it. You think I, at least I heard it on tape. No, it's more than that. If you had the opportunity, what God is checking, how many things did you cancel? That is, how many things were, were you willing to do? Wear yourself out, then you can't come to hear the word. Then the word has to come at your convenience. You will never inconvenience yourself for it. Go and read your scriptures. The mountain will gather. Jesus will go to a higher mountain. Those who wanted to learn there to climb. The mountain will be on one level. Then Jesus will go up to the mountain. Then the disciples will follow him. Climb the rocks. Go through the crags. They finally get to where he is before he starts talking to them. He says for them, they will hear, they will not understand. It's very important. That ambience is important. Faith is... See... This man says something. John G. Lake. He said in South Africa, when he was there as a missionary, there was a time he craved fellowship. He just wanted to fellowship with brethren. So one day, he found a church where they were worshiping. He just stumbled into it. So he entered the church. There's only one problem. He didn't speak English. He didn't speak a word he understood. He said he sat down there. They were all black people. Maybe some of them were white. I don't know. But he sat with them. They sang. They said stand. He stood. They sang in language language he didn't have an idea. She even just sing to Say, yeah, no problem. we'll sing together. Anytime he gets to Yesu, he said, we say, we'll say Yesu, then then he will sit down. Then one black man came up and preached powerfully. He didn't understand a word. He said, but when I left the place, I was refreshed. That there was a spirit about in the place that he connected with. You know, there's one Joker in Lagos that used to call himself a prophet. He's not there anymore. I think he traveled, may not return in a hurry, but. Deceived the whole nation that he's a prophet. And many times people want to argue with me that he's a true prophet. The only thing they can tell me is his good works. <laughs> yeah, that's what they always say. know. Ah, know was very, very kind. You don't know anything. That's the only thing I can say. But what I want to tell you is the other thing somebody said. Of course, because the Bible says that it's possible to do things so that if it were possible, even the elect would be deceived. So Jesus said, made that one clear. It, sometimes deception can be so strong, even Christians will be on the border of being deceived. So this is my junior colleague once. He told me, he said, ah, he was watching the man on TV. He, was watching, so he, he said he's going to Lagos. when there. let him go there. He said, sir, as soon as I got to the street, I knew there was a problem. He had not reached the building, no. He said, he got to the street. He said, when he got to the street, there was just something about it. He knew something was wrong. Do you know he didn't enter the church? He said, he got to the cho- front of the church. He looked at it. Let me summarize it. It just looked satanic to him. Said the ambience was so wrong, he just turned around and left. So when I was talking, he, he was laughing. That said, I don't need you to tell me anything. I went there myself and I perceived the ambience. I knew something was wrong. Oh, <laughs> well, ambience matters. We're talking about worship. When you gather with people, food, what? to, There are three things I said. Yeah, the environment. The people, yes, yes, I've talked about that. So, meeting with people is very important. The environment, then what they eat. See, every time people gather spiritually, they consume something. And Jesus gave us something to consume, which is what? Communion. If you read the story well about the communion, especially when Paul narrates it, it was not special food. Though. In fact, he used to tell them that if you're hungry, eat at home. So, people used to eat communion until they are full. You not know, this one that we share. Everybody takes more, 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 more. It's good, though. I'm not saying it's bad. But in the, in communion was a plate. I mean, this not <laughs> They will stack it like this. And they will eat until they are full. Some people will take a, the cup of wine they will drink. Eh? When they finish drinking, they can't get up again. Paul was so angry with them that, listen, guys, guys, let's not do this thing like this. At the end of the day, some will eat so much. Those who come late, nothing. So don't think that, you know, like in my household, if you want to do communion, it's two slices of bread. In church, you know, there's this one we even use in churches. The thing is so flat. If, <laughs> it's lighter than the feather of a small bird. They won't plaster it personally. Now, please, I don't mean to spoil anybody's business. I really don't like that. If I say he broke bread, <laughs> we don't break that thing. We just share it. <laughs> I think it's important we break something. That's right. uh, yeah, I think it's important. <laughs> we need to break something. Just kind of turn. And have you put that into your mouth before? I don't think that's what Jesus was talking about, man. When does we used to do communion? Hey. Some people will come first, collect plenty. Paul said they will eat like glutens. I'm trying to say something. Else. So don't look at communion in the scriptures like one tiny thing you share. What was most important to God was the fellowship around which you shared it. So communion, it's important. Jesus gave that one to us to share. It's part of worship. It's part of worship. So you see, people gather in bars. They share things. See, that drink they are drinking is communion wine. Those bottles of beer, they keep opening one after the other. It's part of communion. I'm not joking about it. It's part of communion. Sometimes they add cigarettes to it. Sometimes they add drugs to it. It's all communion. They usually have meat and stuff like that. It's all communion. I'm just saying to Christians, even though you don't drink, and you don't womanize, stop following people to nightclubs to go and sit down and be eating with them and say, I only want a Coke. You're exposing yourself. It's not necessary. I hope you're getting my point. That atmosphere of fellowship is what you have to be careful about. Don't mingle with people so much in wrong places. You know, sometimes when I see things that we discuss, of course, you know, because you are politically correct, you can't tell people the truth. They tell, you know, of course, young women get assaulted. You want to tell them, you should have known that this is an environment of assault. This is an assault environment. They get sexually molested. I said, it's. I'm not saying it is, we're not defending the men. We're just saying, you, take care of yourself. There's a place you get to. No, this ambience is not right. I'm going home. Why put myself at risk? Evil spirits float in certain places. They don't like certain. If there's too much light and there's no alcohol, the evil spirits don't like to stay there. Have you not noticed? There are many, in quote, joints in town. You don't find halos hanging around. They don't sell beer, which is the reason why many of our fast food joints don't sell beer as a rule. See, selling alcohol makes money. Oh, it makes money. This one you are selling soft drinks and you know all this. How much? The bottle is hundred naira. So how much is the profit on top of it? But they choose not to sell because they have found out that it attracts certain things. They, they, they just they, they found out over time, just from experience. There are certain spirits that follow when everybody is just drinking and you know and lounging around. They just sit down. There's a spirit that follows. Next thing you know, the girls are hanging outside. It's as if something calls them. But just remove that, that alcohol. Replace the same food, though, just replace the alcohol. They won't come it, the people, their their target audience, can I use the expression? They, they, they don't come there. This, and you, you can have physical, sociological explanations for the results. But the truth is that there's a spiritual reason why. Even the spirits live. That's I'm telling believers, be careful. All these things are forms of worship. Back to what I was saying: everybody worships. They may not use the word worship, but every body worships. Why? We are created like that. Our spirit is pulling us. It will pull you somewhere. I said something last time. I should say it again. We must deliberately give this our own worship to the Lord. It's deliberate. You make it a matter of personal joy. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. It's, it's a deliberate thing. Our brethren are going to be there. Somebody is going to sing. And worship the Lord, and lead us in worship. Let us go. I've seen (laughs) no young men, young men rush. eh, Davido is coming to town. The rush go there. Christian young men, young men, when Chin Talk is coming to town, rush there. I hope you're getting my point. Give me another, Nathan Ibasi. When he's coming to town, rush there, rush there. Make it a habit. Rush there. If Two Face is coming, he's on his own. We are not going. We are not going. We are not going. Flavor is coming. It's on its own. We are not going. Does not minister the spirit. You must understand. The Paul talked about he that ministers the spirit. Everything you are doing. What kind of spirit are you ministering? So the video is coming to town. I am not going. Wizard is coming. I am not going. Doesn't mean I don't want to dance. I just don't want to fellowship. <laughs> I hope you are getting my point. That worship service that you're organizing, it doesn't gel with my spirit. But if Nathaniel Blow is coming, I will go. Let him play the slowest tune. Which one am I even singing? I don't know. Doesn't matter. We'll sit down there. Blow the spirit on us. Blow it on us. Blow it. When we live there, we have more power to resist sin. Your ability to face giants and resist sin in life depends on what you have been consuming, not your determination. It's what you have been consuming. If you have been eating manna with joy, when you see giants in the land, you will attack them. But you have been lost for the cucumbers and the garlic and the onions and the meats and everything that was in Egypt. That God has to, to have peace in heaven. He has to rain quail on you. If that's all you have been eating, the day you see giants, you will look so short in your own eyes. So when I, when I, remember I saw that giant, I, I had this grasshopper feeling. It was deep. My spirit said I was a grasshopper. My spirit said, it's what you have been eating. So when Anabase comes and it's blowing, sit down there. He will blow the spirit on you. I hope you're getting my point. When people come to minister, they will blow the spirit on you. It's not about excitement. Let them blow something from heaven on you. But like some, like uh, this man will say, What's name of his name? Uh, what's his name now? His name just escaped me. One day he was preaching. <laughs> he said, he said, when Peacequare tells you, touch me, I touch you, man, I know the said, not the vaccine. Now so immorality takes that. <laughs> he said, he is conditioning you. You will not do it in the open. Everybody is thinking, touch me, I touch. Somebody will touch you. If you want to vex are you not know, hearing you know what the pastor is saying? Is Peace Square not the pastor? <laughs> <laughs> the pastor says, Hey, listen, I'm telling you, it's very, <laughs> Don't go to where you don't want to drink of their spirit. That's what I'm making. What we do as believers, we deliberately, we are deliberate in giving our worship. That's what I'm saying. We deliberately learn to participate in where true worship is happening. And I said, The foundation of our worship is what? The recognition of the Son, the acknowledgement of the Son. Without acknowledging the Son, you have not begun to worship the true God. Like I said, I was inspired, all right, because of the season we are in. You The death of Jesus Christ, the resurrection of Jesus. Let's talk about it briefly, about the whole thing. Christianity, let me start again by saying to us, Christianity is not a religion of morals. It's not a religion of, okay, let me put it like this. It's not a way by which we know about spiritual things. Christianity is not how to obey the commandments of God. Christianity, of course, more than that, we have to add on to it. It's not the keys to prosperity. It's not the keys to long life. I was driving down somewhere today, I think, and I still saw the big billboard. Yes, somewhere around Otibwa. Telling us about the natural way back to God again. And one white man is coming to give a lecture. Discover the natural something, something, something. Christianity is not the alternative way to what they are saying. It's not how to learn the laws of the Spirit. It's not a set of moral codes. Christianity is one thing. Bear it in mind. It's about knowing the person of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Knowing who he is and making him your Lord and Savior. Righteousness is second level. I hope you're getting my point. He will put righteousness in you. Holiness is on that level also. He will put holiness in you. Knowing the laws of the spirit is on that level. He will put those things in your heart. Third level, he will prosper you. Oh, he will give you a long life. He will heal your diseases. Those things are all third level. The first level is one thing. The knowledge of Jesus Christ as the incarnate God that walked on this earth who died for our sins? Who rose again for our justification? Who is alive forevermore? And who is coming again? That's Christianity. Christianity is not, it's not oh, you can do it. You can prosper. You can make it. That's not Christianity. That's thought. If, look, if first level is in place, that third one, we join later. It's not even second level. Because the second level is a level of righteousness and holiness. It's a level of walking with God in purity. It's a level of sanctification. That's the second level. But the first level is a level of knowledge. It's a level of acknowledgement. It's a level of relationship with somebody. We need to get it right. Christianity is not how good you feel. Listen. There are this group we used to listen to those when we were in school. The beautiful songs. I grew up as a preacher of the world, both as a Christian as a a preacher of the world. More understanding came to my head. And I said, these songs were good, but they were not Christian. He took away all my pain and gave me joy because of his sacrifice. No, that one is even good. That one is Christian. That's not the one I'm looking for. That's not the one I'm looking for. That's not the one. Eh? I believe, thank you, anyhow, and I never, ever doubt, every moment, every hour, there's a power above, you know? Yes. I listened to those songs. I said this even this one I sang that I said sounded Christian, the whole album avoided one name: Jesus. So that album is not Christian. That track that just sounded Christian is because it describes so much about the work of Jesus. Let's assume is the one they're describing. But the name was avoided. Let me tell you something. Jesus takes it personal. If you're ashamed to mention his name. You can color it left, right, and center. Until you mention his name, you are not talking about him. In his days, Ravi Zacharias, blessed memory. Can I quickly add something to it? Ravi Zacharias is of blessed memory. Leave it there. Now, Ravi Zacharias will give lectures in the highest level of human intellectualism, he will teach in universities. He will talk about his professors of quantum physics. He will quote the world's biggest literary minds. And at the end of every one of his messages, he will summarize it that it's about Jesus Christ, that he came in flesh, him crucified. Go and check his messages. He, he will speak to the audience, and they are all Muslims. He will add Jesus to it. He will talk to Hindus, he will remind them. He will, he will argue with you, argue quantum physics argued logic, was a philosopher. He knew everything. Argued this left, right, and center. At the end of the day, the summary of it is Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's what I'm preaching. He will tell you this is a gift of God to mankind. He doesn't care what... Look, and people in the audience, professors, PhD students in physics, mathematics, philosophy, sciences, arts, everything, You add it to it. The Prince, after preaching and preaching, he was preaching on there. He said, I was a philosopher in search of truth. And I discovered that truth is a person. And his name is Jesus Christ. <laughs> so I was searching for truth. After many years of search, I finally found truth. And I found that truth was not an abstraction. was not an ideology. was not a philosophy. It was a person. He so truth is a person. And his name is Jesus Christ. Many times, you know, a lot of our Christian music... The name Jesus is missing is for marketing purposes. It's called taking the mark of the beast. It's a worship of mammon. I'm sorry I have to say it like that. People say, mark of the beast, they are going to put a mark on your head. Nobody has time to be planting anything on your head physically. It's a microchip developed by Bill Gates. Fat joke. If anybody's mentioned the name of Bill Gates, they are leading you astray. Bill Gates doesn't know anything about mark of the beast. At all. The I, moment I look at the guy, I know this guy is not even qualified to be a beast. The real beast has to be a religious person. That one is not religious. He's not. i will leave Bill Gates alone. Somebody said it's his son. That Bill Gates' son will be the beast. I don't know. But right now, we don't know. <laughs> Let's just put it like that. Nobody is coming to put any mark on your head. They are not, you know, like I wrote in that book, if you have not read it, please try and get a copy and read. You can download it for free from our website, The Mark of the Beast. It's a small book. You can read it at a sitting. I explained in the book that since I was young, the mark has been changing. As technology will change, they will change the mark. I left secondary school in 1984. All right? Yeah, I know most of you are not born then, but it's okay. I just wanted to drop it just to show seniority, that's all. The date was not necessary, but I needed to impress some people. The next time when you greet me with two hands, it's with with sincerity. (laughs) (laughs) I left secondary school in '84, and then all this idea of microchips and co wasn't there yet. My early days, actually, when I was in secondary school, I was in boarding house, so I remember we we'll go, they would carry us to we'll go and watch Christian dramas and stuff. And then the beast was about branding they are going to brand, you know, that mark. So the only thing we knew about the mark was that they would brand it on you. So you know what they call branding? They take a hot iron, kss, burn it on your skin. So all of us were like, ah, the pain alone, I won't take the mark. You know, the pain alone, we do not take the mark. As times were, times would pass, technology was advancing. The next they told us, ah, it's going to be a microchip. They will plant, you know, inside some part of your skin. No, they said it will be barcode. They went to barcode. So at least that one's better. It's no longer brand, just barcode. They even did a movie in which people had barcodes on their hands. One man in that movie wore a fake one. Then that was the mark of the beast, barcodes. Then one day, it became microchips. Motorola is developing something. You're just injecting inside you. Ah, don't take it, don't take it, Oh, don't take it. Oh. Please let me say it again. The mark is not snuck on people. They won't sneak it on you. You have to first be a worshiper of the beast before you can take the mark of the beast. It's like somebody secretly giving you communion and you are born again. Does it make sense? We kidnap you and baptize you. That's the easy way to make it. We just got Say, say bro, come, let's just go. Ah, where well, we are going? Christ, there's no road there. Let's pass through this water. Don't worry, the middle. I just push you inside. Now you're born again. That is, uh, is it possible? <laughs> For you to be effectively baptized, you have to give your life to Christ consciously. I can't just sneak into you to it. Let's go to my house. It's a swimming pool. Let's go and swim. As soon as they enter, pastor will just come, jump on everybody. Now you have been baptized. It doesn't work like that. In the same manner, they cannot give the mark to somebody who refuses to worship the beast consciously. Then when COVID-19 came, they said, hey, they are going to inject it inside the vaccine. And I laughed again. That's why I had to write the book, The Mark of the Beast. Christians were being confused left, right, and center. No, no, no. Please listen. That's not what The Mark of the Beast is. You know what The Mark of the Beast is? I'll tell you. It's in the book. All right? First, the beast is a type. So the mark also has to be a type. What am I trying to say? One thing I have found that many people are worshiping the beast every day. And one way by which they worship the beast is that they replace Christ with money. What, do I mean? what, what am I trying to say? We know this happens in the entertainment world. In fact, the other day they told me that, um, um, I don't know many of you heard about it then, a footballer who used to brand, you know, he'd lift up his jacket, he'd remove his jersey, and under it, you see Jesus or something like I don't watch football, so I don't know the person. But I've never seen it. I don't watch football. So they say one day his club offered him, I think, 50... Nah, I've forgotten the figures now. I think half a million pounds a month. Anytime he doesn't do anything that embarrasses the club. His contract is already huge. They did not add debt to it that anytime you don't do anything to embarrass the club, in a month, he'll give you half a million pounds. Did you get that? What did they by in the club? Stop showing this your Jesus nonsense. The man he knew how to hold, you know, keep to their laws, so maybe he will remove his jacket after the game is over. It's jersey, and what I wear under my jersey is my business. Maybe that's why he used to do it. There's one I knew those days, not now. His one is that when he scores a goal, that's when he lifts it up. That one you see it there, Jesus is Lord. So there's all those kind of dramas they don't want anymore. And then if he will comply, they will give him half a million pounds a month. Listen to me, people of God. If they have made you that offer, all right, before you start thinking whether you take it or not, tell them to remove the money off the table. Let's negotiate without the money. Then give me your laws, your rules. It's your business. I can refuse to do it. I can walk away. But please don't think it's a light thing. You're not joking about it. And there are times you tell people, for you to come against my faith like this, I'm not playing for you anymore. One reason why we can't is it two million pounds a month we have been paid already. We don't want to walk away from it. That is what it's called the mark of the beast. People do music. A man said they told him, Remove the name Jesus and put God. For your information, Christianity is not about God, it's about Jesus. And what did they say? Look, so that you can reach more people. Let me tell you something. You can't be smarter than God. If I be lifted up from the earth, what will I do? I will draw men. You reach people more if you represent Jesus clearly, not subterfuge. You don't have to deceive them. Because what reaches people is not your wisdom. It's the Holy Spirit. That's what Paul was saying. I'm not coming with the eloquence or the excellence of man's wisdom, but with the demonstration of the Spirit and of the power of God. Now, what does that mean? When you finish preaching, you don't even know why people believe. It's not your argument. It's not your persuasiveness. It's allowing Jesus. Or let me put it this way. It's allowing the Holy Spirit to do His work. And the Holy Spirit is looking out for the name Jesus every time. He comes to bear witness of Jesus Christ. He doesn't come to bear witness of God. He comes to bear witness about Jesus. You must understand, Holy Spirit is not playing. So if you is going to convict somebody and you don't present the name Jesus, he has no job to do. I give from now to tomorrow about creation. I give about God. I give, if you don't give the name Jesus, Holy Spirit has said, I don't understand what you're talking about. I can't walk here. So those who lie to you that if you just remove Jesus, you put God, more people will be rich is not true. I remember one thing, one song we had when we were in school those days. This song was very beautiful. Okay, let me drop it now. There's a reason why I just need to drop that story. But that song, everybody sang it, they didn't give their lives to Christ. It was a Christian song, supposedly. You know, some of these, our love songs for Jesus, you can use it for anybody. You can use it for somebody else's husband. It's true now. Huh? The way we, the way, the way we coin the words. you will listen to some songs, say, please, oh, I will ask my wife, is this song for, for who now? Am I supposed to sing it for you or sing it for the Lord? I don't even know who and who. That's how one day I sang one song. I like the song, oh, because that girl could sing very well. So I told my wife, Lies this song like Christian song. My wife says it's a life, not a Christian song. Uh, what's the song? Uh, your Love is my love. My love is your love. You know that song? Uh-huh. You know, I, I, they was <laughs> with News. <Nielsen. laughs> they were singing it beside where I was with our house in Transsecule. What those days? So, very you know that girl could sing? Eh? That girl used to sing like spirit. You know, that guy had the, that, he used to sing like a spirit. So the song was so nice. And then the producer of that song, that guy should win a Nobel Prize prize. <laughs> is it Nobel Prize prize or Nobel Grammy prize, whatever it is? I, I like the rhythm. I can still hear it in my head. So there's one particular line. He said, When I get to heaven, and if the Lord were to ask me what I do with my life, I say, I spent it with you. Your love is. Ah! I tell my wife, This is a Christian song. My wife said, My husband, cool down. There's nothing Christian about this song they're talking about a man I said oh it's not Jesus Christ <laughs> <laughs> you know <laughs> the way we just we make the songs so non specific can mean anything Spirit well, is looking at lot of us like this all of you are not serious if you don't put the name Jesus there it's not a christian song the witness about is about Christ Jesus the witness is about Christ Jesus that's what it is about It's not about morality. It's not about knowing God. That's not Christianity. Christianity is about knowing God through Christ. And not one Christ we don't know. That man that walked the streets of Nazareth, that walked the streets of Jerusalem, that one that had 12 disciples, of which one of them was Judas, that one that was betrayed, that one that was arrested, That one that was tried at night, that one that was condemned to death by force. The one that Pilate said, I saw nothing wrong in him. And he said, no, crucify him. He said, okay, let me release him to you. It's a day of celebration. He said, no, give us Barabbas. Give us Barabbas. But this one, crucify him. That's the one we're talking about. That one that was taken, that was beaten, that was meant to carry his cross, that went to Golgotha, for your sake and for my sake. That's the one we're talking about. We're not talking about one. There, there are Jesus that are footballers. Let's not get confused. We're describing the one we, we're talking about here. This one we're talking about died. And he wanted to break his legs. He saw he was already dead. They stuck an arrow into his side. And blood and water came out. is one we're talking about. It's the one that they took down from the cross without breaking his bones because it was written none of his bones would be broken. It's the one that they laid in the tomb given to them by Joseph of Arimathea and who on the third day he rose again from the dead. Is the one we are following. If you don't mention that name you are not dealing with the Christian song or Christian principle. The name must be mentioned and the Holy Spirit is watching out. So this will come to us and say, this your song is good. Listen, I'm not saying don't ever sing secular songs. That's what I'm talking about. But let's know when we are singing secular and when we are singing gospel. There are some very good musicians that sing normal songs. It's not gospel song. I'm not saying they are doing bad, but they are not gospel musicians. Real gospel music has the name Jesus all over the place. Doesn't color it. Some songs are very good and very moral. There are some very nice love songs. I'm not saying they are bad. But they are not gospel songs. Until the name Jesus. Because Jesus says something clearly. If you are ashamed of me before men. That's what you, I want you to understand. So those men come. That's the antichrist spirit. They say, remove the name Jesus there. And the song will sell. Once you are removing the name Jesus. So the song can sell. The Holy Spirit will depart. It's called being ashamed of him. He said, "If you're ashamed of me, I also will be ashamed of you." Please, the meaning that that unconditional love of God. I like the person said, "Where did we get that idea from?" Say, "There's nothing like that." No, the love of God is unconditional. It's not in your Bible. Jesus said it clearly. If you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you. Before my Father, and His holy angels. There's nothing like those. Not lie. I was saying, if I unconditional, unconditional. Many of those things he put condition. Please, I hope you are getting my point here. Mark of the beast, they say, remove the name Jesus. You will get more money. That way Muslims can buy it. Hindus can buy it. Yes, they will buy it. They will never be saved. They will enjoy it. You will never minister the spirit to them. But put the name Jesus in it. Yes. Instead of selling 10 million copies, or this day we don't sell anymore, we download, we stream. Instead of streaming 10 million times, you probably stream half a million. But of the balance 9.5, 10,000 will come, they will stream. They will hear the name Jesus and the Holy Spirit will ride on your song into their homes and that will be in the center of Hinduism in India. Out of that balance 9.5, that didn't stream to give you money. Somebody will stream in his house in Jeddah, in Saudi Arabia. And they will hear the name Jesus and the Holy Spirit will ride on that music And convict the key point person in the family. And Jesus will enter that home. Somewhere in China. A Buddhist will stream one day. And hear the name Jesus. And discover that, oh, that was he who visited me in my dream last week. Then he plays the next song. And then you quote a scripture. Then he goes online and starts looking for Jesus. It is the Holy Spirit that's walking through him. Because we're not ashamed of that name. The world, they want to obscure the name. Have you ever seen the title Anti God in your Bible? What do you find? Anti Anti who? Christ. They don't have a problem with the name God. There are gods everywhere. What is unique about Christianity is Christ. That is why he's called the stumbling block. The Jew will have wanted to believe. He loves your Christianity, he loves your churches, he loves your form of worship, but remove Jesus and he will come to church. The Muslim too, he will have loved to join you, except that that name, Jesus, is a stumbling block for them. That is a rock of offense. Except that, for those of you who know chemistry and biology, that is the substrate on which the enzyme called the Holy Spirit works. Without the name Jesus, Holy Spirit can't work. So the word, Satan knows, they just push it away nicely. So you hit, bam, you start. To, I remember one musician, the we one we're young, she was singing gospel music. Not, not in Nigeria. And then one day, she leaves another album. And that's it. She went into, I, many of us don't know, the best sell, selling form of music in America is what type? Who knows? This is just general knowledge. Huh? Country music, thank you. That's number one. Many people don't know. Yeah, because black Africans don't do country music. So you don't know that that's what sells the most in America. So she went into country slow uh, slash uh, soft rock, you know. There's hard rock, but it is um, like country-like rock. Went do that, of course. You know, they call blue. Just blow. Everybody will be playing her music. But I still have those old songs. In which she sang about Jesus sincerely. Yes, it didn't make money, but touched our lives worldwide. They didn't make money; they made make her a big star. But when she went to that one, I have some of those her songs. I think I should have them somewhere. I don't want because we are streaming. I don't want to sing some of these songs out because everybody will be able to identify them. Nice songs made her a big star. Jesus absent in every one of them. Later, when I read the story of her life, I said, this girl backslid. No, be only song. No, they call backsliding. <laughs> Listen, if you're ashamed of Jesus Christ, you will backslide. There's no way around it. See, Christianity is not a joke. It's not a negotiation. It's not a passport to prosperity. Christianity is death to self. You first come to Christ say, if I die, let me die here. If I will die poor, poverty is my portion. When you have settled down first, you cannot come and say, Jesus, nah, I bet I will chop. They will now you first sell yourself. You see, this is how Jesus is there. He's in a big pit like that. There's no way out. You first jump inside. What is inside? I say, I don't know. Just know Jesus is there. You jump in with him. From outside, you can't see any food. Though. Is there food there? I say, I don't know. You jump inside first. When you get inside there, you first be dark, you can't see anything. Then you go into where there's light. Then you find him. Only him. He says you can go back. If you want, the door is still open. We tell and say, where's the key to the door? He gives it to you, you throw it away. Bam! Say, Lord, I'm not going anywhere. He now opens the next door. And both of you will now step into the abundance that he has prepared for those who love him. God doesn't prepare things for those he loves. Though. Who does he prepare things for? Those who love him. Those who have made their commitment to him. Those who said to him, "If I die, let me die. If I perish, let me perish." Not those who are making deals with him. What will you do for me if I give you my life? And Jesus said, "I can make you famous." "eh?" I will give you my life. Oh, I will make you rich. Hey, you are the real guy, man. Say, don't mind these Yahoo boys. Me, I will make you richer than all of them. So Jesus said, "But take my life." If anybody ever discusses with you like that, his name is the devil. Only the devil makes such deals. Jesus does not. The deal he makes for you, best of all, follow me. I'll make it to what God created you to be. Follow me. That's it. You will know the Father. That's it. Just follow me. All this one of trying to negotiate. No, Jesus doesn't like it like that. If you cannot say, if I perish, let me perish. You are not ready. If you are not ready to put your hand on the plow without looking back, you're not ready for the kingdom. And when you have been sold like that to Jesus Christ, he does anything he likes with your life. You can get to the other side and say, huh? Hey, I like your dedication. I like your zeal. I'm going to anoint you afresh. Heavy anointing. You are going back to God and represent me in the world. I say, thank you, Lord. So, so you are going to capsize in the boat a few times. You don't mind? I say, Lord, I don't mind. They are going to lash you. You know the way they lashed me that time? Mine was once. Yours is going to be a few times. Your name is Paul. It's describing the life of Paul for you. Hey, Paul said, are you serious about that? You know, he told me Paul that. He said, I will show him things that we suffer. Some of us want to hear what the cars will drive for his sake. <laughs> How famous we will be for his sake. Paul was shown what he will suffer for his sake. I didn't have a problem with it. And God said, in the, in Jesus said, in the return, you know what I'm going to do for you? I'm going to give you a great reward. Your reward is going to be great. Paul said, thank you. He understood. Because great reward, as far as Jesus is concerned, is not the height of the house he builds. Because you know what, why? When he comes, he was going to destroy the house he gave you. Jesus will give you a house, and when he comes back, he will break it by himself. No blow on it. As he's blowing on it, it melt like wax. Say, Lord, that's my house. He says old things must pass away. <laughs> we are looking for a new heavens and a new earth. So that cannot be his great reward. He gave Paul a number of rewards, but let me tell you one great one he gave him. Which was exactly what the father gave him also. When Jesus was in the garden, what God gave him was a picture of the reward that he will have. And what is that reward? He had a glimpse of this evening's meeting. He saw people who were descendants of Ham being more blessed than the descendants of Shem. He saw it. He saw them gathered in Enugu like this, talking about him. The father said, that's what's going to happen. I will give you a name that people will gather around worldwide. Not for your sake, because you can't have equality with God. And God will reward you with that kind of thing, and it's a big deal. I don't know where I get my point. Before he began, what was it? Equality with God. That was what he had. He let that one go. He became obedient as a servant, even unto the point of death. Therefore, God highly exalted him and gave him a name that is above every other name, so that at the mention of that name, Jesus, every knee will bow. Now, this is a question. Is that higher than the name he had before? Is that higher than the authority had before? Before we are talking about equality with God here, man. So what's special about this, I'll tell you. He couldn't dash anybody that equality with God he had. He couldn't. It was his own, his own alone. But now, when he grabbed a name that is above every other name, he could live and give you and me that name. Say, so with this name, conquer kingdoms. With this name, conquer the devil. With this name, drive out demons. With this name, heal the sick. He could give out that name. So what was his greatest reward? That not only did he have something with the Father, now he has produced sons of God all over the place. That was his reward. And God showed him a glimpse of that in the garden as he was praying. And he said, where is the cross? Let us go. The vision was so strong he could bear the pain. The cross was not sweet, but he had to what? Endure it. He endured the cross. He didn't enjoy the cross. Nobody, is when you're talking to people, they think that uh, you are saying everything is okay. We are saying we can endure the pain. Who enjoys problems? Nobody. If you enjoy problems, your head is not working. You need to see a psychiatrist. Sincerely. You have what to call inappropriate affect. That's the big English psychiatrist and psychologist used for it. Anybody that enjoys trouble, you have what they call inappropriate affect. You are happy when things are bad. A lot of crazy people like that in this country, man. <laughs> crazy human beings. You know some people, they, der- they, der- they derive their sexual pleasure from pain. We call them Masochists. Some of them, they derive their own from inflicting pain on others. So we call them sadists. These are all people with inappropriate affect. Something is wrong with them. But what do we do as believers like Christ? We endure. We endure hardship as true soldiers of Christ. But what gives us the ability to endure? When we see the vision. When we see the, the reward that is in front. What is that reward? God gave to Paul. 2,000 years later, Paul, every day, at least half a billion people will quote you. Did you hear that? I, and I, me saying half a billion, you know that's not a heavy estimate. Many people quote Paul, they don't know who Paul is. So. Most people don't even know it's Paul that says I can do all things. Everybody says it. Unbelievers say I can do all things. It's Paul, Paul, they are quoting. None of these things move me. It's Paul, they are quoting. It's more blessed to give than to receive. It's Paul, they are quoting. God loves a cheerful giver. It's Paul, they are quoting. They quote him every day. My God shall supply all your needs. It's Paul, they are quoting. Paul is quoted every day. Quench not the spirit. It's Paul, they are quoting. Walk in the spirit. You will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. People quote this every day. I don't think less than half a billion individuals quote Paul in a day. Jesus said to Paul, when you follow me, that's what your suffering is going to be for. Because of the words of Paul, we understand Jesus. Nobody explained Jesus as much as Paul in the Bible. Nobody. Isaiah didn't know what he was saying. Isaiah Isaiah chapter 53. Isaiah chapter 53 is one of the most beautiful chapters in the Bible. There's only one problem. The man that wrote it did not understand it. (laughs) Isaiah wrote Isaiah 53 and had no idea what he was talking about. He wrote Isaiah chapter 60, had no idea what he was talking about. He wrote all kinds of and had no idea. Paul was one person that everything he told you, he knew what he was saying. What I received from the Lord, the same thing I delivered unto you. I wasn't there, but he told me by himself. On the night he was betrayed, he took the bread, and he broke it and said. Then he took the cup, and he said, he was describing. He said, listen, there are things we have seen, eh? Things that we have seen that we cannot utter. So for me to depart and be with the Lord is. It's much better. I've seen it. Paul had a vision of heaven so much the things of this earth could not move him. There's nobody that described Jesus as much as Paul did. But what was his own price for describing Jesus? Oh God, to get that understanding, they flogged sense into him, they flogged flesh out of him. Paul was so he went through so much trials. You know what he said? We lost confidence in ourselves. The trials of Paul, God made him go through it so that he had no confidence in himself. He said, At the point in time, we despaired of life itself. He said, But thanks be to God who comforted us in our afflictions. What am I going to say? Paul jumped into that pit with Jesus. That was what he found there. Now, this modern day, we want to change the world by buying fine cars. That's not how it works. So. We want to change the world by having plenty of money. No, that's not how it works. There's no negotiation with Jesus when you want to follow him. There's no negotiation. Actually, why would you negotiate when you are worthless? Do you know what I said? You are not worth anything in yourself. What do you want to negotiate with? Say, my rotten, useless self, if I give it to you, what will you give me back? Say I don't want. <laughs> he said, I don't want. Yeah, the one that will go to hellfire, not me. <laughs> You are the one that will be eternally separated. Yesterday, I had a meeting with some people talking about hellfire again. I said, listen, people say that a loving God will not send anyone about hellfire. I said, listen, my friend, if you know what, is, what really the Bible is calling hell or the lake of fire, is a place where you will be, you will wish for fire. Fire will be comfort. Yes, I'm not kidding about that. If you know we're talking about hell or lake of fire, it's a place where if they could take literal fire there, it would be comforting. There was something that Hagen said once, he was talking about one of his experiences, when he got healed. When he pushed himself off that bed, and the power of God hit him, and then the healing power came into his body. He said it was as if a thousand needles was pushed into his skin at the same time. The pain was intense. He now said something. He said for somebody who has had no sensation for so long, he said pain was pleasure. That it felt good being so pained. He, do you get my point? Yeah, because he had not had any feeling down in his limbs for a long time. So when pain rushed through the whole place, you and I will have shouted, Yay, Ekba, Miu, help. He was like, Wow, there's some sensation there, man. That's what I mean. That this hell we are talking about, the same man said when he dropped down into it. On the way, they said it was so dark, darkness so thick, you felt you could cut a chunk of it with a knife. Why the Bible call it fire? Simply because to explain things that are in the realm of the spirit, you have to use the things in the physical to help people who have never seen it really to understand. So what characterizes hell is torment. So the most painful thing on the earth that they could find to describe it was fire that does not end. Normal fire, you get smoked in, minutes, in seconds. Do you understand? Yeah, and they throw you into a fire, you shout, after a few minutes, you're gone. If it's really plenty of fire. If it's small fire, you can last a day in hospital after that. But really intense fire, like the one that is in the center of an atomic explosion, you get vaporized before you can feel the pain. So when they wanted to use fire to describe, they described the fire that does not quench. The worms there don't die. You know they had to explain that this torment is perpetual. But I want to say to you, if it's it's not, it's not, it's not fire. I'm I'm convinced of that. It's a place where, if they introduce fire, it will be comforting. One of my say, "So why would Jesus negotiate with somebody on the way to hellfire? But what will you do for me? (laughs) Just say nothing. Continue where you are going." That when he rescues people from damnation, when he rescues them and reconciles them with the Father. They should be grateful and be wanting to serve him all the days of their lives. I hope you're getting my point here. Yeah, that's how we serve. Jesus. That's how we follow Jesus Christ. It's not a negotiation. And if you are preaching, please stop preaching to people. If you follow Jesus Christ, he's going to, he's going to prosper you. Tell them the truth. If you don't follow him, he will send you to hellfire. You he say, No, you should preach the love of God. That is the love of God I've just giving you now. It's called deliverance, right? What, what, what greater love can a man have? Than that, to give himself off so that people will not perish. Was that not what he said? So that they will not perish but have eternal life. Tell them there is eternal life. What is eternal life? That they may know him, the true God. And Jesus Christ who he sent, not money. Eternal life is a knowledge of God. That's what Jesus is giving us. What I've said today, I hope you understood me. Yes, I need to make this very clear. That's what Christianity is about. Christianity is not a method by which we get good husbands, good wives, good children, good um, money. No. Christianity is the way by which we take ourselves and throw our, sorry to use the expression again, our useless self and dash it to the Lord. It now makes us into what God actually created us to be. And without knowing Jesus, you are not talking Christianity. Christianity is about Jesus who was born, yes, of a virgin. You believe that? I believe it. And like I always say, you know, people have tried to argue science, it's not in agreement with science. I say, raising Lazarus from the dead is not in agreement with science. Walking on water is not in agreement with science. Insulting the wind till it stops, it's not in agreement with science. You know, he said, peace be still. Jesus didn't say, st- peace be still. No. You know what he said? Be muzzled. Literally, Jesus said, shut up. When the wind was blowing, Jesus didn't say, you know, in your Bible say, peace, be still. So you think Jesus was a nice guy? Peace, be still. I am the son of God. No. I told you, look at the wind. He said, shut up, wind. Shh. Literally, be muzzled. The best expression in English is shut up. That's not in keeping with science. And like I say all the time, if a man can raise the son of the widow of nine, if he can remotely heal the sick, go. Your servant lives. Go. Your daughter is well. Ha. Huh? If he can open the eyes of him that was born blind, he makes, takes clay, spits into clay, rubs that groomers, you know, mm, yuck. are you getting my point? On somebody's eyes, and he says, go to the pool of Shilom and wash. And the person washes and comes back seen. You do that, and the height of it all, they tell your friend is sick. And you say, ah, no, not a problem, I'm coming, I'm busy. Two days later, when you know it will take you two days to get there, you start tracking. You start moving. You get there four days after brother Lazarus is dead. And you say to his sister, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though he dies, yet he shall live. And you say, your brother will live again. Where have you laid him? And you go outside and say, Father, I thank you because you hear me always. He said, Father, I thank you because you hear me. Indeed, I know you hear me always. But I'm only saying it so that those who are hearing will believe. Then you say gently, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead, after they opened the, 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 the stone, the door, the, 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 no, the stone they used to block the entrance, you called him to come out. He that was there stands there, not having reached there by walking, because it was he was still bound hand and foot. And now said, Lose that man and let him go. And you want to be arguing with me whether he was born of a virgin or not? If he tells me he was pollinated, I will believe. No, being born of a virgin, if he said a flower, hibiscus crossed to amaranthus, and he is the product of the pollination, you know what? I will believe. To tell, that he was even born of a human being is the smallest of the problems. Ha, huh? you do all of these things, bros. They tell me, say, let me just tell you. Banky, let me just tell you the truth. I wasn't born. I fell from a comet. Listen, I will believe you. Say, bros, what's the name of the comet? Say, is it Haley's comet? Say, no, it's Christ's comet. When is it coming again? Are more people like you going to fall from it? I will believe every word. Some of the arguments people get involved is because you don't believe in Christ himself. You don't believe the records of what he did. If you believe that he spoke and Lazarus came back from the dead, that he was born of a virgin for me, listen to me, is a list of my problems. I believe that. It's too reasonable. It's too reasonable. You wake up from the dead. You pass through the wall into my hall. <laughs> you say, Vanky, I used to be bacteria. I'm metamorphosed. I will believe. <laughs> I hope be you're getting my point. No, at this time we are talking about the death and resurrection of Jesus. Let's know what we are talking about again. That's the person we are talking about. We are saying when he came that day, when he came through the body of Mary, That was not the beginning of his existence. That's what we are saying. We are saying that before Abraham, he was. We are saying, by him, all things were made. And without him was not anything made that was made. That is the Jesus we are talking about. Literally, is God manifested in flesh. And this God manifested in flesh one day. He decided to pass himself through the most painful experience for any living person. So painful, he went to kneel down and pray to the Father. Say, if it's possible, let this cup pass over me. And like we're talking about, it's not the beating of it, that flogging. It's not it. That, it's not the first to be flogged. People have been flogged before him. People have suffered. How many hours is he flogging for? A few hours now. Job suffered for how many months? If it's flesh we are talking about, he's not the one one that has suffered the most. What he went through is not all that beating that you saw um, Mel Gibson give to him. Mel Gibson tried. Mel Gibson tried. He tried. He tried his best to make it look very, very horrible. And he succeeded to a large extent. One man said he really didn't do exactly what happened. I don't know. But I am saying he did not go as far as what happened in an area. One thing you may not know is that there was a time when he was hanging on the cross, it's not written like that in the New Testament, but the Old Testament has it. They looked at him, and they couldn't recognize that a human being was there. At a point in time on the cross, you looked. You turned to yourself, who's that? You couldn't recognize who it was, or even whether he was a human being that was on the cross. That was the amount of darkness that enveloped him at a particular point in time. His visage, as I said, was so mad it's not the beating. The Romans could not do to him what his broken spirit inside did to his flesh. When spirit is broken, you don't know what can come out on the flesh. The agony just praying in the garden, the agony made him bleed. He bled from his brow. It wasn't sweat. It was blood. It was dropping. And that was the beginning. What really made him cry? It was separation from the Father as he bore your sin and my sin. And when we're talking about sin here, let's get it clear. The summary of the sin is your whole, your your whole being is a sin. Not the one you you committed or did not commit. Your breathing at the point in time was a sin. That you were walking on this earth was a sin. At the point in time, your good works, you do good, is, is a sin. So sometimes when you want to give your life to Christ, stop counting and counting one or two, three, three Jesus, sin has come to give his life to you. That is, see me, this is the hell of my head, is sin. My BS sin, shoo, sin. The last sneeze, where I sneeze, is a sneeze of iniquity. Every, the only thing a sinner can produce is sin. The real thing they call sin is that this one has been separated from the Father to reconcile them with the Father. And every sin that man committed poisoned the atmosphere, poisoned the universe. Poisoning the planet, poison the stars, poisoning the galaxies. By that sacrifice, he came to cleanse all of those things. Let me add the message here. And this I want to say the sign that his sacrifice was successful is just one thing. Who can give me the name? No, no, no. The sign that the sacrifice of Jesus was successful is just one thing. And what is that thing called? Resurrection. The resurrection. God bless you. Let's pray. Yeah, you got it right. The sign that that sacrifice was successful is the resurrection. I want to thank God for knowing Jesus Christ. Yes, where you are there, just give the Lord thanks that you know Jesus. Give the Lord thanks that you know Jesus. Give him thanks. Give him thanks. Say, Father, thank you because I've been reconciled. I am not going to eternity without Jesus or without God. Thank you, Jesus, for reconciling me to the Father. Now I am safe. Yes, for eternity I am safe. For eternity I'm safe. Why? I'm in Christ, I'm in Christ, and Christ is in me. That's what this is all about. That's what it's about. Give the Lord thanks. God, we're not here joking. God it didn't it's not the car, it's not a house, it's not children, it's not money, it's not anything physical. It is that He reconciled us and made sure that forever we'll be living. People of God, in fellowship with him eternally. It has not yet appeared what we are going to be like. If you know what God did for you in Christ Jesus. Today I've just given you a snippet, just a little preview of it. It's Jesus we are talking about. He's the one we worship. We're not here to just worship God. We come to the Father through the Son, Jesus Christ. That's Christianity. Just shouting God is not Christianity. But that God must be who? God, the Father of our Lord, Jesus Christ. If he did not know it before, that is what Christianity is. And you can't be ashamed of him. If you go to church, amongst your people say, it, I'm a Christian. That's what it means. They, mean. they will call you a fool. How can you believe that God walked on this earth and say, that is why I'm a Christian. I believe that God walked on this earth. God in the Son walked on this earth. He came from the bosom of the Father. Equal with the Father. By him, all things were made. By him, every living thing, thrones, dominions, authorities, everything. Oh, Satan is far beneath him. That's why you don't hear me talk about Satan. and and The devil. The devil is always trying to entice me to be foolish. That's the only thing Satan tries to do. Make me foolish like himself. He remains eternally an example of foolishness. One who walked away from the place that God kept him. I will never do that in the name of Jesus. Yes, that's it. Say, Lord, I thank you. Give him thanks.